Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Jim Garrity is back, I'm happy to say today. Tanned, rested, ready. Great thanks, of course, to Andy McCarthy, Scott Bertram, Emily Jashinsky, and Rob Long for filling in for Jim last week. But, uh, Jim, I assume the uh, just avalanche of really happy good news that we talked about all last week has you raring to go here. You know, when I'm away, Greg, I often look at the news and the, you know on the internet or the you know the morning paper or something like. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to talk about that. <laughs> Let Greg and the guest hosts worry about that. But I also would like to correct you. Um, I am uh, deeply sunburned, <laughs> somewhat rested, and eh, ready enough as as we begin the week. <laughs> I remember there was one year where Jim and uh, our vacations overlapped in South Carolina, and we actually met up briefly. It was a beastly hot day, so the meetup didn't last quite as long as we had hoped to. It was just insufferably hot in South Carolina. And that was the the, the week that the uh, kids in cages narrative came out on the border during the Trump years. And you and I are talking to each other and just like, I'm so glad we don't have to do that this week. <laughs> Like, boy, this is a really dumb news cycle. Good thing we're avoiding it. I'm sure it'll be better next week. And uh, it very rarely is. Yeah, yeah. They don't talk about kids in cages anymore, despite the record high number of illegals apprehended at the border now. Weird. Well, well yeah. hang on. these are now artisan organic cages, uh, Greg, and they're okay now. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Well, the Biden let's... administration is using the good cages, so that makes it all right. So. The more humane ones? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, let's start with our, our first sponsor of the day real quickly, and that's Quip Electric Toothbrushes. Good health starts with good habits, and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials that you need to take care of your mouth. The Quip Electric Toothbrush is loved by more than 7 million mouths. It has timed sonic vibrations with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute clean. It has a lightweight and sleek design for both adults and kids with no wires and no bulky charger to weigh you down. It's got a multi-use travel cover that doubles as a mirror mount for less clutter. And the reusable handles come in a range of sleek metal hues, including best-selling all black and all pink, as well as bright plastic colors sure to make a pop on your bathroom counter. I have a daughter that loves pink, and so her kid's Quip toothbrush is certainly pink. Uh, Both of my daughters love the kid's Quip toothbrushes. I'm not even sure they would know what to do with a regular toothbrush at this point. They love the the pulsating uh, guides uh, to to finish the job, and uh, we are happy that they have those as well. So if you go to getquip.com, slash martini right now. You get your first refill of brushes for free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash martini. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash martini. Remember that Quip is the good habits company. All right, Jim, there is not a good poll for Joe Biden right now, almost anywhere. Uh, there was one from Yahoo last week where only 21% of Americans thought he should run for re-election. And that included just 37% of Democrats, which was less than the number of Democrats who thought he shouldn't. So when that's happening, uh, you know things aren't good. But the problem isn't just for uh, Joe Biden. The problem is also for the party in general. Uh, we've seen the Hispanic numbers, especially from that special race in Texas last week. Uh, but overall, the uh, likely voter 
voters uh, who are Hispanic uh, definitely shifting towards Republicans, even young people losing faith in Joe Biden. Uh, and now CNN's Harry Enten is doing a look at a different demographic that is definitely heading in the wrong direction for Biden, but that's what makes it our good martini. And that's Asian-American voters. Uh, he decided to, to dive into this after uh, Chesa Boudin got recalled by a wide margin in San Francisco, which obviously has a large number of Asian voters. Uh, and he says uh, Pew Research polling uh, does show that Biden's standing with Asians has dropped precipitously. He's averaged a 53 percent approval rating and a 47 percent disapproval rating or a plus seven net approval rating without rounding in 2022 data. Biden won Asian voters by 44 points in 2020, according to Pew Data, which is, of course, 37 percent more than his margin um, right now. So, uh, Jim, uh, Asian-American voters only make up 4 percent of the uh, electorate as opposed to Hispanic voters and young people. So uh, it's going to be less of a, a of an impact. But in some of these key districts, especially in California, I'm thinking around Orange County, where young Kim's running for reelection and so forth, uh, could make a big difference. And in a year where the avalanche is happening everywhere, it really is happening with every demographic. Greg, I'm really shocked to see that having BTS in the Oval Office did not do it for Joe Biden. It did not suddenly turn things around and put him in great shape. Um, that event was focused against uh, touting the Biden administration's opposition to hate crimes against Asian Americans. I got to tell you, Greg, I really think opposition to hate crimes against Asian Americans, I find that to be a baseline, uh, a bare minimum level. <laughs> what you should have if you are in elected office in this country. You should be opposed to hate crimes against anybody. And in fact, you should be opposed to crime in general. Uh, and so having celebrities in the Oval Office is not likely to uh, uh, turn things around. Although I did think, actually, I watched the video and I thought it was kind of neat to see these young guys just absolutely awestruck to be in the, in the White House. If you ever get a chance to visit the White House, do so. It really does kind of stir you with feelings of patriotism and appreciation for our country. Um, but I think what we're seeing with Asian Americans is the same we're seeing with every other demographic, which is, you know, you, you can talk about how much you love a demographic. You can talk, you know, talk about feelings. You can talk about all this touchy feely stuff. But if you're not getting the job done on inflation, on the economy, on crime, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that uh, uh, there's a decent number of Asian Americans who are small businessmen who own their own businesses. I'm going to guess that they are being hit really bad by the supply chain uh, issues. So, you know, if you're, you know, little stuff like infant formula, like, oh, it's just an issue. It's not going to be a huge issue in the midterms. Yeah, it is. It's a good symbolic example of this total breakdown in the supply chain we've had that we're, you could understand, okay, we're getting out of the, uh, uh, the pandemic. You know, we are, the pandemic is now significantly in our rearview mirror since uh, the Omicron wave, which is like January, February or so. Okay, it's now getting into June. It's getting into midsummer. We've talked about gas prices on this podcast at great length. We'll talk a bit about it more. Um, Asian Americans are noticing the same economic conditions as everybody else is. So it doesn't matter how much you talk about, oh, you know, your ties to the community and how much you care and all kind of stuff. Look, People judge you on results. And I think what we're seeing in this poll is indicative of what we've seen in every other poll, which is that, look, the country is in a terrible shape as it heads into the midterm elections and the electorate is ready to take it out on incumbents, which in most cases is going to be Democrats. Yeah, every demographic, I think, is uh, experiencing a pretty significant shift from the 2020 vote right now. But I think there might be some... Um 
more specific issues related to uh, the Asian voters. And one is, I think, uh, a decent percentage of them are located in urban areas, which have seen significant crime and a lot of people not doing much about that crime, which is probably why they voted en masse to recall Chase Boudin. And secondly, one of the things we've noticed in our own area, but in other places around the country, is a bunch of lefties trying to change admission guidelines because, you know what, uh, too many Asians are getting in these schools. How do you think Asian families feel about mm. that? Yeah, I was going to say, the best way to help the people who are at the bottom of the ladder and have the hardest time is to punish the successful. If you send a signal that if you're really good at something, we in the state will do our part to hold you down, hold you back, and make sure you don't thrive. That's a wonderful message. Unsurprisingly, it does not help kids excel, and it does not uh, spur you know, unity and happiness and people holding hands and singing Kumbaya. Shocking. Shocking that that didn't work out that way. All right. Uh, well, the Three Martini Lunch is also brought to you in part today by NetChoice. And keeping America secure from our enemies is more important than ever. And in the digital age, America's tech industry is our strongest defense against modern threats. But that's all because of free market innovation and small government. But some in Washington want to put big government in charge of America's top innovators, which is attacking our own in the name of competition. And who does that benefit? Foreign competitors and rogue regimes. NetChoice believes conservatives should not join progressive efforts that will weaken American cybersecurity. They agree that forcing companies to share our data in the name of fair competition means that American citizens could have their private information sent off to bad actors, criminals, and foreign agents. NetChoice says congressional Republicans need to stand with American innovation, not big government, by rejecting Senator Amy Klobuchar's pet antitrust project known as Senate Resolution 2992. Learn more about the fight and send a letter to your representative at netchoice.org slash 2992. Again, netchoice.org slash 2992. This message was brought to you by NetChoice. All right, Jim, you mentioned that uh, Asian voters, just like every other voter, uh, is going to be focusing a lot on the economy right now. We are not getting a lot of signs that things are going to be much better. In fact, there's a decent chance they could be potentially worse if, in fact, we are in a recession by the time Election Day rolls around. Uh, we've still got inflation at 8.6 percent. We just saw the Fed hike interest rates by three quarters of a point and indicate that there's a lot more of that coming. And so that's why a lot of rational people think, in addition to the inflation, the economy is going to slow down. And since we had negative economic growth in the first quarter, uh, we may find out a little over a month from now that that happened again in the second quarter. And if that's the case, it will officially be a recession. But are we headed there? Well, it depends who you ask. The current secretary, Janet Yellen, on ABC's This Week says, hey, there's a lot of strong indicators in our economy. I would guarantee a recession. I expect the economy to slow. Uh, it's been growing at a very rapid rate as the economy, as the labor market has recovered and we have reached full employment. Slow, but she did not say a guaranteed recession. Meanwhile, Larry Summers, uh, who's been far more realistic than uh, other Democrats, was over on NBC's Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, and he is not painting so rosy a scenario. Is a recession a, a mild one necessary in order to tame inflation? Can inflation at this point be tamed without, an, uh, uh, without triggering a recession? I don't think there are historical precedents for inflation at the rate we now have it coming down uh, to the target the Fed has set of 2% without a uh, recession. Jim, 
I tend to agree with uh, Larry Summers here just because, like he said, the historical precedence for this, I hope it's not the case. Uh, but when you see what's happening with investors already in a bear market on the S&P and the indicators I mentioned earlier, uh, everything seems to be lining up for this. And uh, on top of everything else, that's really bad. Yeah, I guess I'll give Yellen a little cut her a little slack in the sense that she's basically been sent out to polish a turd. Uh, and pretend that there's some good news on the economic front when there really isn't that much. Yeah, yes, unemployment is low. Congratulations, Biden administration. In fact, we have the opposite problem. We have a labor shortage. The number of unfilled jobs in this country is, re- is still st- extraordinarily high. Um, you, there was a big story in the Wall Street Journal this weekend that uh, all of these big in- infrastructure projects that were supposed to be part of the big bipartisan infrastructure bill, oh, and they're going to be terrific. Earlier in the year, I noted that the cost of Oil for uh, asphalt, uh, steel, concrete, all of those kinds of really basic building materials, uh, all of them are you know, either really high or some, in some cases at record highs. And obviously, that's going to make the cost of all of these trans, you know, infrastructure projects more expensive. Well, now the Wall Street Journal reports, oh, by the way, we have a shortage of qualified construction workers, which is going to delay these projects even further. Um, Yellen is in a really tough spot where she's got to say, ah, maybe it won't be so bad. And one of the things I would note is that, um, you know, you look at the last three quarters, we were, you know, in negative growth in the first quarter of 2022. Everybody's kind of holding their breath on what the second quarter numbers are going to be. If it's in, you know, also, if it's also negative, yes, officially we're in recession and, you know, it's not looking that great. The quarter before that, it was 6.9%. And it was not too long after um, I listened to Kevin Hassett and said, yeah, he's saying, yeah, we're definitely going for a recession. Now, the one that he had talked about was the, the numbers he was previewing were the third quarter of 2021, and that was 2.3% growth. And a lot of people are like, ah, that that was a disappointment. I think the consensus expectations were 3%, maybe a little bit more. And we'd had pretty good 6% growth the previous two quarters. So the other scenario, which I could easily see, is let's say that it's not negative growth next quarter. So technically, we dodged the bullet on the recession. But you have, let's say, 1% growth. Uh, maybe less than 1% growth. Yeah, technically you've dodged the bullet on the recession, but it's still uh, very close to a recession, barely growing at a time when, you know, you really would like to see that. Um, and you see the the amount of kind of dead weight uh, that high inflation is having, is, the fuel costs are having, all these other factors that are adding into it. So I think Larry Summers, and you know, in that quote, he makes all the appropriate caveats that, you know, he's based on history and every once in a while you'll get something that deviates from historical patterns. But all in all, it looks like we're either definitely going to a recession or we're looking at a you know near recession uh, heading into the fall and perhaps into the beginning of 2023. Uh, not good news for the administration. And in fact, I just recently wrote an item on the, on the corner post. We don't get our new inflation numbers until July 13th, but at the July, June 30th, we'll get numbers on the savings rate, which has been steadily declining this year as inflation has been really high. People are eating into their savings. Now they accumulate a lot of savings during the pandemic, Everything's closed and you can't travel. There's a lot fewer ways you can spend your money, uh, plus all of the government assistance checks that were being sent out. So people accumulated savings and now they're eating through that. Well, the interesting question is, all right, so how much more savings do people have? Does it get them through this month, next month, through the summer, into the fall? At some point, those savings are going to run out. And if you think people are, are, are you know, up in arms about inflation now, wait a few months when they're out of when they run out of that savings and they're still having to pay six dollars a gallon seven dollars a gallon in certain states things like that it's going to get really really bad so uh yellen really sounds like she's whistling past the graveyard here and i think part of the problem of our of our the state of our economy 
is that whenever the Biden administration was confronted with ominous indicators or indicators of things going wrong, Biden insisted inflation would be transitory. Oh, no, it's going to be great. Don't worry. This is just a green shoots, recovery summer, all the stuff we'd seen heard back in 2009, except now it's much, much worse. So I uh, don't want to depress people too much. But yeah, it certainly looks like Summers is uh, more likely to be correct in his assessment of the state of the economy. Yeah, it's it's a difficult time for families out there. And while there is a political consequence uh, for this for the party in power, um, and we'll probably see that in November, uh, just the difficulty that people are going through right now is extraordinarily tough to watch. Um, and so hopefully... There's some hope on, on the horizon here, and we'll see those uh, we'll see those numbers soon enough, I guess. But uh, ugly, ugly forecast at the moment. All right, Jim, let's shift to uh, one more great sponsor for today, a new one, in fact, and it's the Presidential Election Project. Imagine a scenario for the 2024 presidential election that is similar to 2020, with questions about irregularities in votes, and even debates and recounts of votes in key states. Except this time. It's Vice President Kamala Harris being urged to interpret her role in the process as one where she has the right to determine which electoral votes count. And why? Because the Electoral Count Act isn't specific enough. The Presidential Election Project wants to see this changed. Go to presidentialelectionproject.com now. There you can sign up to get updates, learn more about this very important procedural ceremony, and what steps Congress is taking to reform and clarify our electoral process. Again, visit presidentialelectionproject.com to get the updates so that by 2024, there's no question that Vice President Harris won't have the power to overturn election results. Presidentialelectionproject.com. All right, Jim, on to our crazy martini now. And how often is California in this particular category? They certainly are today when it comes to uh, economics. We always say when we're talking about average gas prices, well, it's this number. But if you live out in California, it's at least a dollar, sometimes two dollars higher. And so the way California is currently responding to this, of course, is to raise the gas tax. Cal Matters is where I'm uh, seeing this. July 1st, shaping up to be a big day for California. That's when the Golden State's sky-high gas prices are set to tick up even more due to a scheduled increase to the excise tax rate, which will tack nearly three cents per gallon onto prices at the pump. On Wednesday, drivers were already paying an average of $6.44 for a gallon of regular gas compared to the national average of $5.01. July 1st also marks the dawn of California's new fiscal year. Uh, and so I'm sure they're going to find ways to fleece taxpayers even more. So, uh, Jim, Gavin Newsom is now hopping on Trump's new social media site, trying to engage uh, people on the right about the policies on guns and everything else going forward. I'm pretty sure if he wants to compare California's cost of living and taxes, especially in a situation like this when people are already paying astronomical costs for gasoline, uh, I think we welcome that debate, but uh, the approach to just tax more, crazy. You know, there's a, I, I almost lapsed into another lot to unpack here. Uh, <laughs> uh, overused phrase here, Greg. But I'm going to observe, if you are going on to Truth Social as Gavin Newsom and you are making a social media video of yourself doing it, I think that's a sign that Gavin Newsom really, really wants to run for president someday. Maybe that day will be in 2024. Maybe that day will be in 2028. But I think you do that because you want to be a national figure. So I don't know about you. This between you know wildfires and energy costs and costs of living and nobody can afford to buy anything. The homelessness crisis, the crime crisis, 
uh, and everything else. Can you think of anything else the governor of California could be doing other than going on social media and fighting with people? Like, like <laughs> how is that possibly the best use of his time? But then again, we know where he is, and that's an improvement as far as uh, uh, the recent history of Gavin Newsom is. Um, so right now, uh, as of this morning, the national average price of a gallon of gasoline was $4.98. And if you're like, wow, that sounds terrific, it's because just a couple of days ago, it was $5.01. So we've actually come down three pennies. So uh, mm-hmm. Americans don't spend it all in one place. But you should keep in mind that if you live in the state of California, the statewide average gallon of regular gasoline is $6.39, a dollar, about a buck 40 than, more than the, you know, the, the national average. Now, this isn't only because of the state taxes, but it's a big chunk of it is the state taxes. It's also worth noting that California has particular state regulations on the formula that's used in there in order to make it more environmentally friendly, which means you can only get it from certain refineries, which makes the price go even higher. Now, Newsom has a plan, Californians. Don't worry. Uh, He wants to send every registered car owner $400 in debit cards uh, they can use to buy gas, Greg. Now, Greg, you're a very smart guy. What happens when you have an inflationary crisis and you just throw more money at people? Do you make the inflationary <laughs> crisis worse? It does. Exactly. You're right. You know, you've seen the DuckTales episode, right? <laughs> if the money keeps you know, multiplying and you don't increase supply, the prices just get even higher. So that is not going to work. Um, the, you, know, looking at, you know, a bunch of our listeners who are not in the state of California are probably saying, oh, well, you know, thank goodness I don't live in California. Yeah, but this affects your life in a you know transitory fashion, um, in the sense that right now uh, a cost of the average cost of a gallon of diesel fuel in California is six dollars and ninety nine cents, just under seven dollars. Two days ago, it was seven dollars and one cent, and California taxes diesel at thirteen percent. Now, as we all learned during the supply chain crisis, when we're seeing all those boats sitting around off the coast of California, more than 40% of all container cargo in the United States passes through California ports. And once it gets up for, off the ship in the port, it goes onto trucks and the trucks have to drive to the rest of the country. And those trucks have to fill up with diesel fuel in the state of California with that expensive gas. More expensive diesel fuel prices means it costs more to ship it to where you are elsewhere in the uh, lower 48 states and thus the cost of the product gets even higher. So you are indirectly affected by gas taxes in California. This is not something the state legislature or Newsom just decided to do. I believe California enacted something a little while back that would automatically increase the state sales tax a couple of pennies every July. State uh, Republicans in the state legislature, not quite both of them, but there's not exactly a ton of them, (laughs) said, hey, gas prices are really bad right now. Why don't we temporarily suspend the gas tax or at minimum, let's not enact this new tax increase. And unsurprisingly, California Democrats said, no, 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 we need all of that money. Uh, but don't worry, we'll give it back to the people in the form of gift cards to help fight inflation. That's where we are. Good luck, California. You're going to need it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. If you're looking for answers for fiscal responsibility, Sacramento is probably not the place you ought to be looking. But uh, Jim, I think you're right. I think he is positioning himself for a 2024 run. Uh, It feels like uh, it's becoming an open secret (laughs) that there might be uh, an open seat uh, in the Oval Office that year. So uh, we'll find out as time goes on. But uh, clearly, people are, uh, are looking at that. So Welcome back, uh, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Hopefully we'll be able to end on a slightly more positive note tomorrow. 
What are the odds, Greg? Looking forward to it anyway. <laughs> exactly. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Uh, thank you so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. We always appreciate those. Please keep them coming. Uh, also, remember to get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a terrific Monday, and please join us again on Tuesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch. Lieutenant Chris Olivares of the Texas Department of Public Safety joins me to discuss the record-breaking numbers of illegal immigrants due to Biden's open border policies. Listen, I'm Sarah Carter. On the latest Sarah Carter Show, we'll also discuss Border Patrol agents getting punished for the whipping incident that actually never happened, the red wave hitting the border, and how the families in Uvalde are holding up after last month's horrific shootings. Follow The Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.